0: April 9th, Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 21. About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were sacrificing at the temple in Jerusalem. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than other people from Galilee, he asked? Is that why they suffered? Not at all, And you will also perish unless you turn from your evil ways and turn to God. And what about the eighteen men who died when the tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again, that unless you repent, you will also perish. Then Jesus used this illustration. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again, to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years, and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's taking up space we can use for something else. The gardener answered, Give it one more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, you can cut it down. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for eighteen years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised and thanked God! But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, You hypocrite! You work on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from their stalls on the Sabbath and lead them out for water? Wasn't it necessary for me, even on the Sabbath day, TO FREE THIS DEAR WOMAN FROM THE BONDAGE IN WHICH SATAN HAD HELD HER FOR EIGHTEEN YEARS? THIS SHAMED HIS ENEMIES, AND ALL THE PEOPLE REJOICED AT THE WONDERFUL THINGS HE DID. THEN JESUS SAID, WHAT IS THE KINGDOM OF GOD LIKE? HOW CAN I ILLUSTRATE IT? IT IS LIKE A TINY mustard SEED PLANTED IN A GARDEN. IT GROWS AND BECOMES A TREE, AND THE BIRDS COME AND FIND SHELTER AMONG ITS BRANCHES. He also asked, what else is the kingdom of God like? It is like yeast used by a woman making bread. Even though she used a large amount of flour, the yeast permeated every part of the dough.
1: There's an old saying that I heard, that there's two kinds of people born in the hospital every day. There's a person born in the hospital that's going to get a job, and there's a person born in the hospital that's going to give that person the job. You have to decide along the way which one you're going to be. You can be a leader, but a leader is a developed set of skills. It's a developed set. And, and the more but see here's what stops the average person from being a leader is the fear of the consequences of leading most people don't want the responsibility of being a leader but let me tell you the trick though the responsibility and ramifications and consequences of being a follower It's dire, more dire, and more severe. Because now, as a follower, you just got to go along with whatever. You know how many adjustments you got to make when you a follower? (laughs) But the man come in and decide I'm having layoffs. And he hand you a slip, and it's Christmas. What? That wasn't in your plans. But, ho, you decided... You wanna be a leader, you wanna be a follower, now guess what, you got to deal with that. If I'm a leader and I own a company and the company start losing money, you think I'm fitting to Not have my life? No, no, cutbacks start on the follower. The leaders don't go, well let me quit. Cause if I quit, ain't nobody eating. The cutbacks start at the bottom. So you have to make a decision if you're gonna be a leader or not. But understand what a leader is though. Sometimes you just really wanna be the leader of your own life. See, you don't have to lead a world leader. I have no aspirations of being Martin Luther King. I have no aspirations of being Gandhi, none whatsoever. I had really no aspirations of being the leader that i become today that I got young men listening to me that I wasn't even really counting on. I got I got dudes emailing me, man, running up to me, man, at Essence. This brother ran up to me, and Terrence was stopping him from talking to me. And the big brother, about 300-some pounds, sweating, had a chef coat on, had a thermometer pin, sweating all over the place. He had seen me come off stage, saw me go through the back. He ran all the way around to meet me. And Terrence, stand down, soldier. Well, this big dude right here ain't with that. He said, hey, hey, little man, little man, come on now. Ain't nobody got time for all this here. I'm trying to holler at this man right here because you don't know what I've been through. Stand down, soldier. Little man, before this turn into something else, I got to see him today. His whole thing was he was a prison inmate down in New Orleans, had been listening to me on the radio since 2005. Did his five years, got out the joint, started studying in prison, food prep, because he said, man, you you told me one morning you ain't got to sit there and do nothing. You can better yourself from behind the wall and make one plan on not to come back. He said, you changed my whole life. He said, I come to tell you, man, I'm the chef right now at the Hilton. But the big dude was just crying. You know, we end up hugging. I cried with him because, you know, I, I, I be feeling people like that. I have no idea, nor that I have an aspiration to be an inspirational person to them. But I have always asked God in my own way to make me a relevant person. You know, I, I don't want to be a cat that when I die, it ain't nobody, ain't nobody tripping. Church empty. Ain't nothing right here. Because, you know, there's two things, you know. When a person dies on their tombstone, there's a birth date, there's a dash, and then there's a date of your demise. And let me tell you something. When you die, they're not going to talk about your birthday. They're not going to talk about the day you died. The biggest conversation will be about that dash, that little dash. That's the life you lived in the middle of that date of birth and the date of demise. That dash will determine who you
0: are.